Welcome to Ginspired, brought to you by theginshop.ca. This podcast will take you on a journey into the world of gin, where you'll experience this versatile spirit in ways you never thought possible. Now the host of Ginspired, Heather E. Wilson. Hello and welcome to Ginspired, where we talk about and celebrate everything about that wonderful juniper lace spirit called gin. And on today's episode, my guest is Andrew Cameron, co-owner and distiller of Still Fired Distilleries, located right here in the Canadian Maritimes in Nova Scotia. Welcome, Andrew. Thank you, Heather. Very (laughs) excited to be here. Yes, and I'm really super excited to learn all about Still Fired Distilleries and your gin and all the awesome things that you guys are up to. But first, as with all episodes, before we get really into things, let's start by sharing what we are drinking. And since you're the guest, Andrew, you get to go first. What are you drinking today? Well, today, believe it or not, again, I really enjoy the Gimlet as a cocktail. Mm-hmm. And one of my most favorite versions of the Gimlet is actually the Arugula Gimlet, which is as funny as it is, it is a drink that we actually got to experience about four years ago in Baltimore at one of like the most renowned whiskey bars of all things. Wow. It was uh, the American Distilling Institute convention in Baltimore. And we decided to go out on the town and take a look around. We heard about this one called the Whiskey Library. Mm-hmm. And you walk into the bar and there's over 2,000 skews of whiskey, but I'd say maybe 10 skews of gin on hand. Wow. So it was very weird and very interesting that gin, the arugula gimlet was my favorite cocktail that they had to offer. If you have a bit of time, just to give you a little bit of insight, we were looking at this library of a menu for whiskey drinks. And we said, you know what, let's go off brand and let's make something gin and surprise us. And the gentleman behind the bar who had all kinds of flair, he went into the back, into the kitchen, came out with a handful of mixed greens, threw it into a shaker, and then started mixing up and going crazy. So we had no idea what we were in for. And then he poured out this beautiful lime green drink, double strained into a coupe glass, and he called it the arugula gimlet. Wow. He loves doing gimlets. It was his personal favorite, and arugula was the only thing in the back that was fresh. That was the one that he grabbed, and it's funny now because if you Google search arugula gimlets, they're a big cocktail Mm. at this point, but back then you had never heard of it. So very interesting. It adds a spicy note of arugula to the sweet and citrusy gimlet combo, and that is by far my favorite cocktail of choice and the one I've chosen for today. Wow, that is an excellent description. Were you afraid you were getting like, spiked salad or something when he came out with the arugula. <laughs> we had no idea. It looked basically just like a handful of lettuce or roots or weeds. We didn't know. It was kind of like the mixed badge of fresh arugula. It was mostly baby arugula that he threw in the shaker and we had no idea what we were doing. Like, we thought we were having drinking a salad at the you know one of the most popular whiskey bars of Baltimore. So <laughs> well that's an awesome story and an awesome sounding beverage and I'm definitely gonna have to try that one. Yes, for sure. Well, mine is really awesome too. Not quite as big story as yours, at least not yet. And I'm drinking the Peach Fundy Gin and Tonic, which we're still kind of come up with a real cool name for, but it's your Fundy Gin, a touch of peach snaps and topped with Fever Tree Aromatic Tonic, 
which is so amazing. Now we do have variations of this one, but I'm lazy today. So this is the lazy <laughs> girl's version. <laughs> of course. <laughs> it's a super refreshing summer cocktail that I've actually, it's uh, in my keep your gin up cup. Keep your right gin here. up. Absolutely. You, know, you got to put. And of course, lazy cocktails the day after Canada day just sounds. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Because yesterday's <laughs> were a little more complicated. <laughs> Absolutely. Awesome. Okay. So let's get into the nitty gritty. Now, I know you guys have like a pretty cool and interesting backstory. So why don't you tell me about how Still Fire Distilleries kind of came to be? What was all that story around it? Absolutely. So as funny as it was, I actually ended up in a little town, Peterborough, Ontario, after I had graduated high school. And I ended up going and taking a marketing degree there at uh, Trent University. I then realized very quickly after I graduated how much I didn't want to be cooped up in an office. And that's pretty much what marketing and advertising entails. So I very quickly just 180'd my career choice and I immediately applied for underwater welding in Ooh. Prince Edward Island in Charlottetown. So I immediately went to work there. I got accepted and within literally less than a, a month, quit my job and I was off to school again to take a nine-month course in being an underwater welder for oh, a profession. That's a switch. Yes, definitely. It was a very interesting experience to note that everything kind of happens for a reason in the universe and whatever else. That's where I obviously got to start working for a little company called Connors Diving Services out of Halifax. That's what moved me to Nova Scotia and started my work here. And also where I got to meet my business partner, Owen Ritchie. That's where we work together a lot. So Mm -hmm. in this process, we were all over the world. We were in like the littlest communities all over the place. And a lot of our job If the weather's poor, you're kind of held up in a hotel. So we spent a lot of time in hotels just kind of staring at the wall. So at that point, we noticed our experience was more enhanced, obviously, with lovely spirits. So (laughs) we went to, as we will call it, research uh, a bunch of these um, expensive taste testing across the globe. Mm. And the neatest part about these like little communities was the fact that they all had their own variations and like these neat little bars came up with their own infusions and making Mm. these really neat cocktails before the craft distilling market kind of really took off in Canada. So we started to really notice notes and flavors and we really got intrigued in distillation and all that kind of good stuff. And then as we started to buy more commercial alcohol, we started to nitpick and think, well, they Mm. did a poor job here and this is awful for this reason. And maybe they should have done a better tails cut. So then we hit the ground running and we actually went out and purchased our very own stills. As DIY hobby distiller, we actually were very optimistic and of course, very stubborn. So we truly believed that we could do better than, you know, the Anheuser-Busch's of the world and the Diageo's and we hit the ground running. So we started a DIY joke, we call it a moonshining experience in, we were sharing our friend's house. We were both renting rooms there, who is our now lawyer. So in our 2B lawyer's basement, we set up our distillation unit and started making <laughs> gin, believe it, of all things, as one of our products. So Owen and I, being young males, mid-20s, we both actually found a very serious passion towards gin. That was always our focus. We loved gin. Everyone thought we were crazy because everyone else was on the rum and the rye yeah. and whatever. But right. no, we loved juniper. We loved experiencing everything that was offered. And that's kind of, long story short, how Still Fire then became to blossom because after we realized we had a good product, we had created the funny gin very, very early and mason jars and everything else. I then started actually digging up my 
marketing textbooks and started actually going full circle back into the marketing component and started writing a business plan. We had our lawyer there who was going to law school at the time. So he had the legal components. We all did this, of course, heavily under the influence of our delicious gin. And within two years, we actually had a full circle business plan and we were actually had started and founded Still Fired Distilleries. Wow. So what was the date that you officially like had your first gin you could sell? Gin bottle came actually in, uh, I do believe it was August of 2016. Uh, The distillery started in June, 2015. Mm -hmm. That was literally the first bottle sold on a shelf or first bottle put on the shelf. We started with, as most craft distilleries do to kind of help pay the bills that were overwhelming us at that moment. We started with vodka. Mm-hmm. And of course, we started with a little bit of a moonshine components. We had Granny's Apple Pie Moonshine. Ooh. Once we got those going and we actually started to get some reception from customers and everything else, we started to get some tasting notes and opinions. Then came in our direction to our passion, which was our gin, of course. So Funny Gin launched August 2016 and we haven't looked back since. Wow. Okay. Well, I don't need to ask you what drew you to distilling then. (laughs) I think you just answered that one. Okay. Well then, since we're talking about Fundy Gin, tell us about that gin and then, you know, what makes it special and unique. And then maybe we can talk about some of your other products too. Absolutely. So Fundy Gin, again, of course, is hyper-local products. At the time when we were making this, which would have been about 2013, when we were in the basement of our lawyer's house there, (laughs) we actually really jumped on the component of using Dulce, which was, again, my business partner's choice because Dulce has always been one of his favorite snacks. Personally, as they come from away, I didn't really necessarily like it initially. I found it tasted like the way the mud flats and everything smell here, but that's what he calls home. So we were talking about really cool, unique gin botanicals, and this is the most exciting part of craft distilling is that you can get as creative as possible. So we did a ton of research. And at that time, there was maybe, I think, two companies globally that looked like they were putting any form of seaweed into a spirit. There was like, there's a Jap company making a sake. And then there was a Welsh company making, it was essentially like a whiskey-based liqueur with a sweet kelp as well. So we thought it would be a really unique marketing component. We tried the test distillations and the flavor that came out, the nose on it and everything was wonderful. So of course, local juniper is always a favorite for all the craft distillers making gin right now. So we had sourced local juniper, coriander, cardamom, rosemary. We essentially went through a tasting flight where we tried tons of different gins and we picked out our favorite components of each one. Mm. At that time, commercially, Ungava was actually one of our first favorite gins, which was another Canadian-made gin, more corporate, commercial. But it was really unique because they actually did steep after the distillation, so it came out as a yellow. From the steeping of the the berries and the botanicals, it was a yellow gin, and it was the first of its kind, way before, obviously, Empress came out with the butterfly pea flower with the the blue gin and everything, too, so... We added those elements and we found less is more in the gin world. So we picked eight botanicals that we loved and then we just started distilling from there and boom, voila, the Fundy Gin was born. The inspiration behind again, the bottle itself, we hired a good friend of ours who was a closet artist, super terrified to send any of her artwork out in the world. And uh, we actually hired her to do the label, which was a breaching humpback whale, which is a gorgeous big, labels, gorgeous labels. Absolutely. Thank you. And that's become a big component of our branding is the artistry. We get a different artist to kind of do a different 
mm-hmm. products. We have just a big, beautiful blend of artistic labels all the way down the line. And it really solidifies that uh, made locally, crafted locally, hiring as much local as you possibly can to create it. So, and then, yeah, so the Funny Gin was born. And of course, we haven't looked back since. It's been super popular. Obviously, we get to talk to yep. people like you mm-hmm. who are reaching out and doing really cool things like a gin inspired cookbook. <laughs> yeah. This wonderful gin inspirational <laughs> podcast and everything. So, it's been awesome to see how everyone's jumping on board the gin train, which is cool. So aside from gin and your vodka, what else do you have? So our main branding through the whole marketing component was actually we were advertising as a moonshine distillery. Because again, starting off, vodka is one of the easiest turnarounds because it's literally out of a still through a filter, watered down and into a bottle. And again, it does take a fair bit of science to make a nice, clean vodka but it is one of the easiest components of the distillation practice. So with that, we actually started to create moonshine, which again, there's a big stigma on moonshine and everything mm-hmm. else. So not we started in the <laughs> Well, no, definitely not. Especially <laughs> on the legal side, I guess. Yeah. Once we let the government know we were here. You were doing uh, it you know. in your lawyer's basement. That makes it legit moonshine. <laughs> oh, yes, definitely. At that time, that's where I was one of the kicking our butts to actually like do the proper business proposal and create a company because mm. when people are showing up at your door at two in the morning asking for moonshine out of the basement, it starts to get pretty, <laughs> pretty sketchy. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it is just so maritime, isn't it, for that? Yeah. So the stigma with moonshine is, again, in Canada, through the Canadian Food Inspection Agency, there's tons of requirements for beer classification. So an example, whiskey, to make a Canadian whiskey, it has to be barrel aged for a minimum of three years. You know, rum is one year. Apple brandy aging requirements is six, or not apple, but any kind of brandy requirements, six months minimum in a barrel. So what we had been doing forever is actually like beautiful mash of corn and we're making a corn mash whiskey, but it is very young. And so we started making moonshine as per just the requirements of Canada and labeling process, which is hilarious because putting moonshine on a label just seems like you're doing the exact opposite of what the government would want you to do. But that was their requirement at the time. So we have wonderful products. We have a whole line that just keeps growing constantly. But again, we use as many local products as we can. So for example, Granny's Apple Pie Moonshine was one of our first ones out the door. The Americans have been doing it for a long time as they were probably 20 years ahead of us in the craft distillery movement. We live in Annapolis Valley and the apples here are world-class. So hired a local orchard to then start pressing us a sweet cider, which we then fermented, distilled and flavored with. And then voila, with the whiskey, apple pie moonshine was born. There was an element of that product that was missing. So Owen actually went to his now just her 90-year-old grandmother who had an award-winning apple pie recipe and she used to win awards at the Mm. Annapolis Royal Farmer's Market Mm. back in the day for many years. She thought that Owen would be baking pies. Little did she know that our pies went into a mason jar, which we then (laughs) took out to her cabin, which she then thought and mistook it for just a mulled cider and got into and really, really liked it. Probably the most jovial and jolly I've ever seen her. um, because She was unaware that she was drinking at that time, probably a 50% moonshine. But after everything settled down and she kind of came to the next day a little later than normal, she actually gave us the blessing. And that's why we added the granny's apple pie moonshine component to it. Oh, so okay. He gave us some spicing and everything. And mm-hmm. voila, we've got now apple pie moonshine was born. There, hmm. so. I actually what? do have a, a gin apple pie that's coming in the new cookbook. So do you? my eye for that one is going to be, it's pretty epic. 
I'm going to have to tell Grandma Richie about this and uh, see if she's either willing to try it or if she's done with the whole component of alcohol and food together. But, yeah, so sorry, just as a long-winded statement, I guess, um, so other products, we, then we were really our eye open to everything local. So then we have a low coffee roastery that moved in down the road. So we then started to create Night Owl Coffee Moonshine, for example, which is essentially just an all-natural, beautifully mixed Kahlua, I guess you mm-hmm. could say. So again, a whiskey-based, local roasted coffee. We use local honey, vanilla, mix it all together. It's wonderful. From there, we then go into root beer moonshine, which has actually become uh, our number one selling moonshine at this point in time. So we went to town trying to figure out how to get a root beer liqueur from steeping all natural ingredients. And let me tell you, the root beer moonshine, it's 24 components that go into it from birch extract to burdock root to licorice root to anise to all kinds of wonderful things. Trying to find that flavor profile took forever, but once we nailed it, I think we had a real, real good thing there. So root beer moonshine is officially the one moonshine that I would recommend for any listener. If you're willing to branch out of gin, you should always give that one a try. Yeah, sounds delicious. Absolutely. So good. Okay. Now we already have had a few fun incident stories a little bit, but do (laughs) you have any personal fun incident story that you'd like to share? Gincident is the exclamation point on this one, because again, like you said, a lot of them can be pretty funny. Ours was actually like relatively alarming, but uh, now that we're looking back on it, it was actually really hilarious to the situation. So of course, back to our 2013 DIY moonshining days, there was a moment where we were all drinking our gin and we started to create a habit while we were watching hockey. So everyone here, of course, is major Habs fans. They had made it to the playoffs at the time. And we found that the ritual we had was to get heavy into the gin and go from there. But as Owen and I were working 80 hour weeks or more underwater welding, our gin stock was dwindling significantly. So we actually went downstairs, we put on a batch, started the whole distillation process, came back upstairs, got lost in the hockey game. And basically at one point in time, we all kind of just settled down for a second. We looked at each other and we're like, what is that smell? My goodness, what is going on? And we just started to think. And then at the, literally probably at the exact same moment, Owen and I kind of had an oh crap moment where we both <laughs> jumped up. We're like, did you turn the cooling water on? No, did you? Oh, no. So I don't know. Fun fact on the distillation process, if you don't have your cooling water on, essentially what you're doing, you're making alcohol vapor. You boil this mash, which then creates a beautiful misting alcohol, which you're supposed to then condense with cold water it back into a liquid. Right. Well, needless to say, we forgot that component. So we both booked it running as fast as we could downstairs. The air was so heavy. With alcohol, it was embarrassing. We rarely mentioned this incident, but mm-hmm. I thought it was wow, a perfect <laughs> podcast little secret we could have here. Yes. And then we quickly got it turned on, cooling water in place. We started to watch it. We kind of started to realize, we're like, oh, you know, it's pretty fun down here. This is amazing. <laughs> so we started just kind of hanging out. We're making sure everything levels off. And then, okay, it started dripping perfectly. We tried to get back upstairs, and the two of us, our coordination was gone. Literally, uh, no. we didn't realize we were drinking so many vapors from breathing. Breathing it in. By the time we made it to the top of the stairs, it felt like we had basically drank a quart of gin ourselves oh, in one go. Needless to say, the Habs won that game. Yay! But we decided that wasn't a ritual we wanted to continue or maintain. Mm. So that was a big distillation whoopsie, as well as probably the biggest gin incident 
we've ever had. So that's a pretty major um, incident. Absolutely, it's very different as well. I assume from the rest of oh uh, yes <laughs> people you've spoken with. So I thought that would be a good one and very fitting for this moment. That so. that actually is perfect. Yes. Needless to say, we're all fine. The house is fine. But yes. my, what a what a <laughs> lesson learned. Get, yeah, and you didn't get alcohol poisoning. <laughs> we did not. It was probably pretty close. It so. was. Yeah, sounds like it. Wow. Okay, so there's one member of your team that we haven't mentioned yet. Mm-hmm. And he's a very important part of your team. He's the white hat of this entire establishment, we call him. Hooch right. the distillery dog is who I'm assuming you're speaking yes, of. Exactly. Hooch. Hooch the pooch. Hooch the pooch. He is the face of the business. He is pretty much the first person to greet you when you come through our retail store. Literally since we started this whole thing, literally breaking ground on our distillery, Hooch has been a part of it. So when Owen first picked him up as a tiny little puppy at eight weeks old, Wow. He's been part of it the entire way through. So from a makeshift little kennel that we had put together as we were off researching, mixing tanks and whatever else, through to the fact that he now basically stays in my office all the time and takes up the most comfiest parts of our furniture, um, Hooch has been there. So we love dogs. We always wanted to create a dog-friendly environment. And what better way to do that than to have a face of a dog here as well. So he's got to be probably one of the most easygoing creatures we've ever met on the fact that he's probably maybe drunk a lot of the time. (laughs) Vapors in the distillery. (laughs) He seems to be pretty jovial a lot of the time. So I'm assuming that the vapors do something. But also the fact he loves seeing customers come in the door. He loves greeting everybody. He loves it when other people bring dogs in. So, of course, anyone listening that wants to come for a visit, please feel free. Always bring a leash in case there is a customer that is a little squeamish to dogs, of course. But, yes, he is very friendly and he loves to say hi to friends. So Awesome. Well, I look forward to finally being able to come visit and meet you guys all in person and pet Hooch. Hopefully... That will be sooner rather than later, but absolutely, know, things are still a bit up in the air, but hopefully in the next month or two, I'll be able to pop over and meet you guys all in person, which would be awesome. Anything else? Any, I mean, we've covered a lot of ground here. Anything else you'd like to add, share? Are we good? To anybody listening, I don't know how far this, of course, is broadcasting and how many followers are the world. Are, but of course it is. Exactly. <laughs> Especially once this book gets out and I hear Fever Trees involved. Oh my goodness. This is going to be fun. It is. Just a big uh, summary. Obviously, anyone that wants to come visit, we say, please do bring your dog. If you don't like dogs, it's, we'll put Hooch in the back room. He's okay with that too looking at you through the glass mm-hmm. of course we're doing tastings here at the distillery hopefully if covid slows down finally for everybody then we can start to do interactive tours here we mix cocktails and everything so mm-hmm. we love to see people we've been cooped up for far too long and we're very social so yes. please stop by if you can't and you live in canada www.drinkmoremoonshine.ca is place to order online we'll ship direct to your door of course And of course, we love to hear from people. So reach out to us. We have direct lines for both owners, Owen and myself. So stillfiredistories at gmail.com. Call us at 902-880-1338 and come say hey. Okay. Well, and there you have it. Everything you wanted to learn about Still Fired Distilleries and Fundy Gin and Moonshine and Cool Gincidents. Thank you so much, Andrew, for being here today. It was a real pleasure. And again, I can't wait to come meet you guys in person. I think we're going to have some good fun. And be sure to check out the show notes for 
all the websites, social media links, and of course, the ginshop.ca for all your gin-tastic clothing and gin novelty needs. And until next time, remember, it's always gin o'clock somewhere. Thanks for listening to this episode of Ginspire, brought to you by the ginshop.ca. If we've ginspired you, drop us a note heather at the ginshop.ca. We may even read your email or feature your ginspirational story in an upcoming episode. And remember to follow us on social media. Until next time, let the party be ginned.